Hello, and welcome to the Daily Action Podcast, where we scour the sports universe and make picks on the most interesting events of the day. It is Saturday. It is the 7th of November. Uh, we are in, I guess, week weeks, week eight for some college football teams, week one for the Pac-12, uh, week three for the Big Ten. We're all over the place. Um, how'd you do last night, Alex? What'd you get into? I, you know, I watched that BYU game pretty closely. I took them yesterday minus two and a half against Boise State, and they ended up winning 51 to 17. So, you know, that was, a, you know, an easy easy win for us. It was, you know, nice to have finally something that, you know, I didn't have to sweat all the way into the fourth quarter. They, you know, they were in control the entire game, not worried about that one. So that was nice to have that. And in the, in the San Jose State, San Diego State game, I took over 48 points, and it finished at 45. So we just missed that one. But that's all right. I mean, it, it came down to the last possession. Can't win them all. So, you know, one and one last night. Moving on to today. Very cool. I, uh, As you saw, if you followed via Twitter, I tracked that Miami game right off the bat. They were down seven, and I jumped on that minus six line. Um Followed it all game, but North Carolina State was relentless, and they just kept scoring. Miami pulled it out one by three and took a knee at the 15 um, with, what, 36 seconds to go to close out the game on fourth down. If it was a couple more seconds, they probably would have been forced into a field goal situation, at which point it would have been a push, but apparently they didn't care about that. So I lost that one. Um, But here we are. Alex, and it's a college football Saturday, and we have a special guest today. Uh, so we're gonna do uh, we're gonna we're gonna have a little fun. We're gonna talk some Big Ten football. We are welcome welcoming Justin D'Antonio to the podcast. Justin, what's up, man? Man, my first my first podcast, first podcast, so memorable. <laughs> uh, welcome, welcome to the Daily Action Pod. So you're you're an avid listener, I know. Um, We've got a fun slate of football games today. Yeah, there are Big Ten and otherwise. Um, the the as you mentioned up top, the timing of all the different conferences is weird. Um, I feel like there's a lot of unknowns week to week because of no fans in the stadium and who might be playing. Um, I would have to imagine Vegas is having a tough time setting good odds. Um, so it should be a good week. Yeah. Um, college has been, you know, as far as I've seen, they've done a pretty good job. Um, overall, it seems like Vegas is doing better this year than the, than the general public, both with, both with the NFL, which is still like a ton of variables because you never know who's starting, um, as well as with college. But I think this is an interesting one. Um, one of the biggest, I think, factors that we really didn't talk about, Alex, last night but Justin and I were, were talking about was you had a BYU team at Boise State, a BYU team that was 7-0 and going up against a team that had only played two games. Like you're talking football, you're talking injuries, you're yeah. talking guys in game shape. You got so many variables there that it just throws – I don't know how to – I don't know how to gauge it. Um, but anyway, so we've got um, – we've got a couple of – Big Ten matchups, no no major rivalries this week. It's just kind of the uh, 
you know, this is when you just kind of get into it from a Big Ten perspective. You've got Ohio State playing Rutgers. You've got Michigan State is at Iowa. At Iowa. You've got Michigan. Where are you guys? You guys are? At Indiana. At Indiana. So, you know, probably a 42 nothing Indiana game. And then you've got... <laughs> I was, I was going to jump in with my first my first ever podcast hot take. Mm. I think we're on the... In, I think this season is the Indiana Revenge Tour season. Whoa. And it's going to be weird because there's no fans in the stands to celebrate <laughs> it. And, and like half of people aren't watching college football regularly for all the reasons we already talked about. But I feel like this is the year Indiana gets everyone back because every single season they play the good teams competitively, lose close games, give away leads... I feel like that Penn State thing was a great way for them to start the season. I actually like Indiana. I think Michigan's favored by five and a half. It's moved to three and a half. Oh, yeah. So that and, and so you may be onto something. Uh, but that three and a half line is still that's still pretty attractive. You're in Ann Arbor, right, Alex? I am here right now. Yes. They figure out how to plug that hole at cornerback yet, or what? They're working on it. They're working on it. <laughs> it's a problem, though. How about how about our coach? What do you think about our coach? <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm not no. touching that one. All right, that's fair. Yeah, I, we won't go into that. Uh, we were talking a little bit about the game, right? So Justin's got you know he, he was watching the Michigan State game last weekend, um, and I didn't realize how inexperienced you guys were in that secondary. Uh, but it sounds like it sounds like that's the obvious hole, and that's where people are just going to attack you. Does Indiana have the team to do it? Can they do it? I mean, I think it's going to be a uh, a good game. I think you know Indiana obviously that like you know I mean that first game against Penn State came down to the wire. Their quarterback Michael Penix Jr. You know he's been pretty efficient so far this year. He has a pretty big arm. You know, and they have a few good receivers. And obviously Michigan's weakness is in their secondary. Their cornerbacks you know are not great. They got exposed to you know a few freshmen last week. From Michigan State, Ricky White, you know, had a massive game. So yeah, I mean, if it's gonna be pretty clear what Indiana's game plans are gonna be, they're gonna they're gonna want to you know throw the ball on the outside and see if those cornerbacks from Michigan's uh, can make big plays. And then obviously Michigan's quarterback Joe Milton, you know, I said I said before the first game at Minnesota, he was a player to watch in the Big Ten this year. He obviously, first year starting for for anybody, and you know he looked he looked good against Minnesota, and then last week obviously against Michigan State. He did not look great, so it's going to be interesting to see how he bounce, bounces back today. And, you know, I probably would lean Indiana plus three and a half just because, you know, they're they're 2-0. and Michigan still has so many question marks. Their offensive line is not great. They're very, you know, hit or miss on if they can run the ball or not. Their receivers can't get much separation since they're all, you know, below six feet. So we'll see what happens today. But I, I do like Indiana plus three and a half. I think so too. I mean, if I'm looking at that line and you've got a, a team with a with a secondary that is that's exposed, you've got an Indiana team that's got confidence, right? They went out and they beat Penn State. Um, where were they last week? Indiana. Um, let's see. Indiana played. That's a good question. Either way, I mean they. You go in and you win in Happy Valley, you can win anywhere. And if you're back at home and Michigan's feeling a bit deflated and you know what their weakness is, I think you can cover that three and a half, right? Because even if it is a close game, you still have that half point. Um, I don't want to look too far forward, but if you think about the wide receiving core at Ohio State and the secondary at Michigan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ryan Day's already on record that he wants to run up the score this year. 
Oh God. Oh man. That over is yeah. 65, which is unheard of in the big 10. I, I, I want to stop and say something nice about Michigan wow. for listeners of the pod. I'm not, I'm not a Michigan fan. Uh, I like Milton. I think, I think he's got all the tools. I think he's got the size. I didn't realize he was a junior. Mm. I think it's a little problematic that he's been sitting behind the whoever transfers in plus McCaffrey, plus the dude who's now the quarterback in Illinois. Like when you have seven quarterbacks on the roster, I kind of think Milton is a little bit of a victim of not having a ton of burn yet. Like I look at the Indiana matchup and I'm like, I've seen Penix play in big games for two years now. Whereas I, I haven't seen Milton play in, in take a snap other than, other than the last two games. And so just kind of, it's unfortunate. I think Milton's going to be a very good college quarterback. I think he's talented. Got a good arm. Does he get a shot if they, if they have a bad season or is he going to get Right, right, right. Well, and college football, I, I'm sure Alex can attest they they're not entirely patient in uh, in different in, in in Ann Arbor or other parts of the Big Ten. <laughs> not at all. All right. Well, let's move on. Let's move on from that game. I think consensus says Indiana at three and a half is probably a fun play. Um, you know my rule in November: I'm not touching it till the game starts. So let's just hope Michigan goes down and scores a touchdown. Uh, make that line ten, and I'll be a happy guy. Um, all right, there is one big matchup that we'll get to, but there's a couple of really interesting games. Uh, the first one that I want to talk about is the kickoff in the Pac-12. Arizona State at USC starting at 9 o'clock in the morning. Got to be great for those college students. Um, that's an interesting matchup. So now you've got, a, I think, a new defensive coordinator at USC. Um, you've got kind of a, a depleted lineback, linebacker crew. Um, and you've got an Arizona State game that, or an Arizona State team that, that probably has the ability to score. It's a big line at 11. That's a big line for, for a first game of the season. Um, and I think sometimes, especially in these first games, there's just a, there's, it's almost a branding error. It's USC, so they give them a little bit more leverage. Um, I, if I'm watching this, I'm going to close eye on it. Are these guys, you know, are, are, they, are they up? Are they awake? Are they moving? If they are. That over 55 and a half is depleted, done, 24-27 at halftime. Um, so I, I'm keeping an eye on the over in that game. Either of you guys spent any time digging into the Pac-12? I have a little bit. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big Colorado football fan, actually. Uh, I don't think you knew that, but I've been, yeah. uh, you know, been no following problem. them the last few years pretty closely, and I'm a big Buff fan, so I'm, I'm all over their game today against UCLA. That's interesting. Do you follow Colorado basketball as well? I do. Not as well as football, but um, I do. All right. Yeah. Well, Spencer Dinwiddie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They should put a statue out out front. That's about to come. Yeah. Um, all right. So what? So what's Colorado got today? They are playing UCLA. Uh, obviously, Mel Tucker is not there with the Buffaloes this year. He went over to Michigan State. Not too happy about that one because I think he's a he's a, he's a good coach. Uh, but today, you know, Colorado is plus six and a half against UCLA, and they am going to take the Buffaloes plus six and a half. UCLA has struggled under uh, their coach Kelly, and having only three returning starters on defense could poise a problem today for them. Colorado returns a lot of starters on both sides of the ball. They weren't great defensively, but when you return most of that, you know, defensive side of the ball, there's some cohesiveness that is important, and I think that's going to be the difference maker in the game. They're more experienced. So I do like Colorado plus six and a half. Uh, in this game today against UCLA, I'll watch it. Um, uh, yeah, I'm happy to watch it. I, I have spent very little time digging into Colorado football. Uh, 
but good to know you're a fan. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that going forward. Um, there's, there's a couple of other quick Big Ten matchups that I think are, are worth mentioning before we move too far along. Uh, that Ohio State line's too high, 38 and a half. You know, they'll probably beat Rutgers by 50, but I just don't like touching games that are 38 and a half. So the best thing that can happen there is Rutgers scores early. Um, and all of a sudden that line moves drastically. Um, you've got Maryland at Penn State. Penn State's giving 27. Again, a weird line there. Um, Maryland has shown that they actually can score. They came out last week and they were a little bit of a different football team uh, than they were in week one. Yeah, that week one loss was bad. That was real bad. Yeah. yeah. And then you've got, uh, I think, a really probably the, the two most interesting matchups this week in the Big Ten are um, Minnesota at Illinois. The Golden Gophers aren't who I thought they were. <laughs> This year, um, and if you go back to week one, you can see I was real bullish on the Golden Gophers. Not the case. Uh, and then Michigan State is where this weekend? They're in Iowa. What's your take on that game? We start with me? Yeah. All right. Uh, the Similar to Maryland, the week one to week two variance was huge. Um, normally, Iowa is a super tough place to play. It's actually low-key like my favorite place to see a game in the in the Big Ten mm-hmm. uh, on the road. Um, um, tough place to play, but no fans, so that kind of removes some of that. And I thought that was actually a factor in Michigan-Michigan State last week in the sense that, like, I don't think you're throwing six pass interference flags if there's fans in the stands, scream 100,000 fans in the stands screaming like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so maybe advantage Michigan State a little bit there. I was favored at 0-2, which is kind of nuts to me. Um, Michigan State has a lot more speed on the edge than they've had in years. So they have Jalen Reed, Jacob Naylor, and um, the freshman, Ricky White. Ricky White had a big game in part because Jalen Reed got all the focus. So I would expect Ricky Wright, Ricky Wright to get his first taste of Big Ten, a Big Ten defensive coordinator scheming against him, which opens up Naylor, uh, and Naylor and Reed to have bigger games. I think it kind of comes down to how well the Michigan State line can play against an Iowa front uh, offensive and defensive line. It's probably a little bigger and a little more physical than one, what Michigan State has seen so far, and two, what they saw last week at Michigan. Um, so I don't know, man. I, I, straight up, kind of like Iowa, but if you're giving me five and a half, if you can get it to six, I, I certainly wouldn't mind certainly wouldn't mind betting on Sparty. Yeah, I mean you're at five right now. And if Iowa starts off with a with a touchdown, that line probably moves bigger and faster than most lines do because the you know, I assume the odds makers kick back to oh, this is Michigan State of week one, not Michigan State of week two. Yeah. Um, all right. That's a, uh, yeah, I, it'll be fun to watch. I, I think you're right. Iowa. I was always scared when the Buckeyes played Iowa. I was always like, man, nobody talks about this game, but this could be a, this could be a season ender every single time. I'm in Northwestern, Northwestern primarily because of their schemes and their ability to like, you know, actually score some points and nobody gives any credit to Northwestern and Iowa because it's really hard. It is a really hard place to play. Yeah. They always get somebody, uh, at Iowa every single season. Yeah. Um, all right, so there's there's another big game today, um, and this is like it's just such it's so bizarre to think about Clemson playing Notre Dame in what could be a season defining game without Trevor Lawrence due to COVID. Um, 
You dig into this one, Alex? I did do some research on this one, yes. Uh, I will go into the – but before, I'm going to go back to that Michigan State game for a second. My strongest play in that game is actually the under 46.5 points. Uh, the, those two teams, you know, have a history of slugging it out in low-scoring contests. Seven of the last eight head-to-head matchups finished with 40 or fewer, including four of those with 29 or fewer. So I think under 46.5 is definitely a smart play in that game today between Michigan State and Iowa. Alex always comes with the stats. We've got a very different approach. Uh, <laughs> yes, I got the stats. Uh, all right. Uh, the the Clemson-Notre game, Dame game, I'm excited for this one. And I think Clemson wins this game big today. I think they are by far the superior team. I know Trevor Lawrence is out. Their backup quarterback, DJ Ugalele, hope I pronounced that right. He, you know, he played well in the second half against Boston College when they needed him to. They were down big, and they ended up winning 34-28. to 28. Ugalele finished 30-41, of 342 yards and two touchdowns. And I think that translates over today against Notre Dame. Notre Dame's defense is solid. Ian Book has been efficient when he needs to be, but he's going to be, need to be better. He's going to need to throw the ball deep against this Clemson team because Clemson will score just to be a matter of, you know, or matter if, uh, you know, uh, Notre Dame scores today. And Ian Book needs to control the game. He needs to have some shots. And they need to run the ball well, which has been a struggle for Notre Dame. I think it's just going to be too much Clemson. Clemson's on a mission. They're bound for the playoffs. They're bound for the national championship game. So I do like Clemson minus six today against Notre Dame. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to roll with Alex on this one. Um, you know, when Clemson and Notre Dame played a couple years – God, was that last year? It's been a long year in the college football <laughs> playoff. Was that last year or the year before? Uh, uh, I think it was two years ago. Whenever it was, um, the talent differential was, like, massive. Yeah. You know, they, everyone thought it was going to be a big game, college football semifinal, and they routed them. And I know that a lot of the same players aren't there anymore, though uh, ETN is. It certainly is. But um, I don't have any reason to believe that your Clemsons and your Alabamas aren't, like, significantly more talented and battle tested than like everyone else in the country. You, you could give me Georgia, you could give me uh, Ohio state certainly, but I think there's like four or five teams and then there's everyone else. And I think Notre Dame's probably more likely to be part of everybody else than they are the four or five teams. That's interesting. I watched them last week. I had a little play in that game, and so I watched them pretty closely. And I, I think the the biggest difference between what I watched in that game and what I watch in a Clemson and Ohio State game is just there's not that level of dominance. They make red zone mistakes. They don't just kill you, where some of these other teams kill you and shut you down, and then it's over. Like, they were just kind of managing. It's, but it also could be, and you see this a lot in college football, a play to your, um, play, play to your competition. So they may show up, but five and a half, um, five and a half is a little bit of a friendly line. And if this quarterback, this you know, the second string quarterback from Clemson, spent a week knowing he was going to play, right? Spent a week getting used to it after getting a little bit of live action. Don't be surprised if this guy tears them apart because he's very capable, and they don't have many tapes on him. Um, and so it may actually be advantage. Like he's not a better quarterback than Trevor Lawrence and probably never will be, but it may be this week advantage Clemson um, just because they don't know what they're really up for. You think Trevor Lawrence is shopping for homes out here in New Jersey? He's going to be a net or a net. He's going to be a jet or a giant next year one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, he, 
maybe. I don't know that he, he – he may have a little bit of that New York flash. He may go Manhattan. I don't know that he'll go into the suburbs of Brooklyn yet. Um, <laughs> all right. So a couple of other games. Um, anything, I mean, the, the other big, big, big game that I think is worth talking about is this Florida-Georgia game. That's always a big one. God, what a sad thing to not have all of the fans at and all of the tailgating at. But again, right, for the for all of the right reasons. But that was always one where game day shows up and it's just an absolute party. Um, I know I have a play in that game. And I, of course, have to wait until it kicks off. But Alex, where are you there? Yeah, I do have a play on this game, and this is going to be my upset of the week. I'm actually going to take Florida Moneyline against Georgia today. Yeah, Florida's offense is very good. They're ranked fourth in the country. I think the Gators are going to have some success against that Georgia defense. You know, Georgia is has been very strong on defense, but they allowed 41 points to Alabama. Florida and Alabama, I think, have pretty similar offenses. Obviously, Florida's receivers are not as good as Waddle and Smith for Alabama. But I think Florida hangs around today. Uh, uh, they have a tight end, Kyle Pitts, who's a future first-round pick. He has seven touchdowns on the year, and it's big because uh, Georgia's uh, going to be missing their senior strong safety, Richard LeConte, who is out for a few weeks. Uh, and he has been uh, you know, a, a beast guarding tight ends, and he's out. So I think Kyle Pitts has a massive day, and the reason is because that starting safety is out. So I think Georgia is going to be in a tough spot. Overall today, I don't know if they're going to be able to keep up with this Florida offense. Trask has looked really good at quarterback. So as my upset of the week, I am going to take Florida money line. Nice. I'm a fan. I'm a Florida fan. I've watched a couple of their games. When that offense gets going, that offense is great. Um, and they're they're a fun team to watch. So I, I also, I'm with you at plus 100. I'm, I'm bullish on Florida money line. Um, you know, I you know I probably am going to regret it when I say you know I don't take the points, but that's that's going to be the most fun game to watch today, I think. Agreed. Um, anything else before I give you a uh, a lock? That's it. That's all I have covered. Okay. Um, let's move over to the Houston Open, where Dustin Johnson is three wow. shots behind. Uh, DJ is plus nine hundred, three shots behind at the Houston Open with a uh looming masters next week and a group that he can just eat alive you get a guy like that in contention in houston leading into the masters he loves the spotlight he loves the advantage he wants people to be scared at plus 900 all day long dj is going to win by six shots I did not expect the lock of the week to be a <laughs> to be a non-major golf play. You guys are you guys are really throwing me curveballs here. We you know again we scour the sports universe to find the most interesting events of the day. Uh, Houston's got fans too, and DJ loves fans. Uh, so keep an eye on that. I'm I you know I don't want to I don't want to be be too bullish right because that that tends to to screw it up. But my my golf picks have been pretty good lately. They have been. Yeah. I'll tell you. Um, all right. Anything else? Or you want to uh, – we'll, we'll meet up tomorrow morning and we'll talk all sorts of NFL. I'm good with that. All right. If anything pops up today, live lines, uh, we'll let you know. Sorry about that. Sorry about that Miami game last night. Um, they should have won by more. I agree. Can't win them all, but it was an exciting game to watch. All right, Alex. Enjoy the day. All right. See you.